This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Our guest is Frank Patilano. Thanks for being on the show, Frank. Thank you for having me, sir. Yeah, Frank, originally a full-time teacher with a part-time job working seven days a week, gradually invested more and more into real estate. It continually growing, taking risks. He eventually left his job to manage his portfolio full-time. Frank, I know you and I have known each other for maybe a year and a half, two years now. I know we talked a long time ago, and and it's just great to see your success and what you've accomplished. I look forward to hearing just your story of getting to that point where you can leave that full-time job that's most of the listeners' probably goal or uh, ones that have already done it remember you know, the difficulty getting to that point and taking that leap. But welcome to the show. Give us a little more about who Frank is, and let's dive into your syndication journey. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it was awesome. It can be done. It does take hard work, and there are quicker ways to do it than what I did. But basically, uh, I remember talking to you just about uh, two years ago, and then uh, in about seven or eight months ago, we met at Best Ever in Colorado for the first time, which was really awesome, right before the big pandemic hit. And now I don't travel as much, but I will be, and we're still investing in deals. But let's see, how did I get started? Like I said, I was a workaholic. I figured that the way to make money was just to keep working. But the problem was that I was working for a lot of other people mm-hmm. and I wasn't really working for myself in any way. So as you know, when you're working, your boss is never going to pay you more than what you're worth. So you know that. We all know that. I mean, they'd be losing money if they had to pay everybody more than what they were worth. So uh, what I had to do is uh, I had to figure out ways to make money passively or actively, but in different industries, if you know what I mean. For sure. Wow. Well, you know, Frank, many of us have to start by, if you want to get in real estate, your goal is to do it full time, but many of us have to do it while working as well. Tell us a little bit about that transition and how you managed to make it happen. I mean, to the point where you were ready to say, okay, I'm leaving this J-O-B and I know this is the right way to go. There you go. So obviously for everybody, there is a fear factor. There is a risk to it. And actually, on my first deal, I actually lost money. I invested in some land. For some reason, I thought I knew enough about building, even though I had no experience in building. So I bought some land at a big auction down in New York City a few years ago. Actually, wow, it's about 13 years ago now. <laughs> and that was my one of my first uh, investments into real estate. We also bought uh, our own personal house at the top of the last cycle. So that was uh, probably not the best idea either. At the same point, my wife and I were not big spenders, so we kept generating enough savings that eventually, as you know, the banks are not paying that well, just putting it in a regular bank account. So I remember back in about 2005, we had bank accounts paying about 6%. Now, if you have a 6% interest rate, then obviously some of the syndications would be around the same right now. But right now, as you know, interest rates are just about one half of 1%, if not less. So uh, basically, we had to start putting our money to work. And I tried some stocks, but I lost money on a few deals. And as you know, you really can't influence stock prices as much as you can influence real estate. No matter how many Apple phones you buy. Yeah, there you go. No matter how much shopping you do at Walmart, even if you spend twice as much as you made last year, you cannot really influence the stock price per se. But as you know, with real estate, if you can get a decent deal and do the right rehab or value add, you can easily make more and more money. So what I did is uh, I bought my first smaller multifamily. It was just a triplex. I did it on my own. And when I say on my own, I mean my wife and I did it together. We bought it the traditional mortgage, 30-year mortgage, non-owner-occupied, 
25% down. And obviously that's awesome, but you really can't do too many of those if you're just doing it small, long-term buy and hold investing. So uh, over time, what we had to do is we started to buy a few other styles. We started to do partnerships. We started to do a little bit of fix and flips. We invest in other people's deals and through syndication as well. In the past two years, we've uh, been able to grow a lot faster. So why syndication? Now, I know you've done some different things in real estate, but why syndication as opposed to sticking to flipping or single family or something else? Well, we're definitely still doing, especially flipping. I mean, this year, 2020 has been like the year of the flip for me. We have three active projects going on right now, and we have uh, three more coming out in the next two months. But I still love the concept of syndications because of that symbiotic relationship between actor investors and passive investors, and also just being able to be outside of my market. So like I live in Rhode Island, and Rhode Island is considered tax hell. And CNBC, I think, called it the worst place to start a business. And wow. I, I love Rhode Island, but for growth, it's kind of hard, especially in real estate. I mean, we're just over an hour out of Boston. Most of the growth that we've had is because Boston keeps coming closer and closer to us. Besides that, I mean, the overall government is rather anti-business, anti-development. So uh, we don't have any population growth. And while we have had rent growth, like I said, it's because of us being so close to Boston. And eventually that might change, but uh, I had to put my money into other areas of the country. I So I started out doing some investing in Texas, Kansas City, Missouri. My first big project that I invested a lot of money in was in Idaho, stuff like that. So I really had to diversify out there. My philosophy right now is uh, I think I'm in about eight or nine markets. And some of those are small money, but just the fact that if one market doesn't do that well, the other markets will help. Nice. No, that's a great thought. Just the way you diversified. And I, I want to back up a little bit, though, just like getting into the real estate business. And, you know, you commented in your bio, you mentioned like honest networking. What does that mean to you? And how does that help the listener to they understand what that means and in, in moving their business forward? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of networking. But I'm not necessarily a big fan of just networking just to get deals off of someone, or just say hello, and that's it and, and build a business through them. I just honestly like chatting with people and I have, you know, a love of real estate. So I talk to people each and every day and there are people that I've known for 10 years that I've never done a deal with. And that's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm not going to push that when the time is right, the time is right. If I have an opportunity that I think could work for them, I might give them a call once in a while. But there's no like real push that, oh my God, you have to invest in me and I'm never talking to you again. I think you understand that a lot as well, Whitney. For sure. But for example, we have an eight unit commercial building that we own down about 45 minutes from my house. And it was about 11 years old when I bought it. It was a great property overall, but there was always those little things about it that need a little bit of extra. And especially when I bought it, I was still teaching. So could I have bought it by myself? Absolutely. But what I did is I found two partners that I know in the area, and one's a full-time property manager, and the other one's a close friend that I own a few of the properties with. And we bought as a three-way split. And the reason why is because there was benefits to everybody. And I, I think that's the examples of honest networking. I mean, I go through... I belong to a lot of different real estate groups, and, and I'm always meeting people, talking to people. But it's for a, a good relationship, like I said, even if I never do a deal with that person. Our guest is Kevin McGrath. Thanks for being on the show, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me, Wenny. Glad to be here. 
Yeah, Kevin began his commercial real estate career in 2007. And in that time, he's been involved in leasing, acquisition, and disposition of more than $1 billion in industrial real estate throughout the United States. Kevin had a successful 12-year career as a senior vice president with CBRE specializing in industrial brokerage and in 2019 switched to investing full-time as he became the principal with Cardinal Industrial, an owner and operator of 12 million square feet of industrial property. He is deeply passionate about investing in real estate as he sees it as a vehicle to produce passive income that's creating time freedom. Kevin, welcome to the show. I mean, you have a great background and I know you're going to be a great guest. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I just want, I want to hear a little about your background, how you transitioned, you know, from CBRE to getting in as a even passive and also active, but then just your specialized niche to an industrial and how that's been working right now, you know, through COVID, pre versus post COVID. But get us started a little bit with your background and your movement into the active space. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again, Wendy. I got started in real estate, commercial real estate in 2007, like, like you said, in brokerage in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm from originally. And my, my niche at the time was, or still is, what was industrial real estate. When I got into it, Wendy, I didn't know anything about industrial. It just so happened that the team I interviewed with, I got along with them well, our personalities meshed, and they had a spot on their team for a junior broker. So in a way, I just kind of fell into industrial. And sitting here where I am today, I'm glad I did. There, there were certainly some, some bumpy times getting started because I started in 2007, had a one year of salary, then came off salary in the fall of 2008, which if, if you remember, that, that was when the, the market collapsed and the start of the, the Great Recession. So it was not a great time to get started in, in real estate, especially coming off of salary going on to 100% commission, but was able to fight through it to persist. And it was really helpful to have two senior level partners who helped me a lot and were great mentors for me. And continued with a, a successful brokerage career. And fast forward to about two, 2018, I got the, the bug to, uh, to start investing passively in real estate. I was tired of my money not much, doing much in the stock market. I was investing conservatively in index funds and it, and it really wasn't going anywhere. And I wanted some passive income that I could really provide kind of a safety net or, or a cushion because of the grind of, of, of brokerage where you're starting over every year at zero. And I got started in, uh, like I said, in, in 2018, had some friends who were her syndicators full time, started learning more about what they were doing, all the tax advantages that, that were involved. And I knew that this is what something that I wanted to get into full time. And I, I made the leap about really the spring of 2019, when I left CBRE and joined Cardinal Industrial, which owns about 12 million square feet of, of industrial across the country, mainly in the Midwest and the Southeast. And it's been a great ride since. Nice. Well, grateful just to hear some of your story. I, I find that most of us didn't have a direct path to, to becoming an operator or buying a large commercial real estate. You know, there's some something else we were doing or something that led us there. It wasn't like you're five years old, typically thinking, you know what, I'm going to be a syndicator. So, you know, it's interesting just to hear your story and definitely a, a great background to become an operator and get into this space. No doubt about it. Let's dive into just the industrial world a little bit. And I know you said you fell into it as a junior broker. 
But even at that point, obviously that's post COVID and all that stuff, you know, why industrial versus multifamily or senior living or, you know, anything else, all the other asset classes that you could have could have gotten into? Well, I, I think what, what industrial had done, and I'll talk about it post COVID kind of where we are today. And not to pit one against the other, because you know I still invest passively in multifamily, and there's several great vehicles to, to invest in th- throughout the, the different sectors in, in commercial real estate. But I think what what industrial has proved over the last six eight months and since COVID, how resilient it is. Supposedly, right now we're we're in a recession, but in my world, it's anything but. It's probably as as active or competitive today than it's ever been any time over the last twenty years. And a lot of that is because of e-commerce. You've probably read a lot about it or heard a lot about e-commerce. And I'm sure you've had a lot of hands-on experience buying goods and services over the, the internet. And that's been the absolute game changer for industrial. We can talk more about that in some of the, the stats Please. and research that, that, have, that have come out since, since COVID. At the end of 2019, e-commerce, it accounted for roughly about 15% of all retail sales. It was growing at about a 15% clip year over year for the last 10 years. So it was really steady growth. And what COVID has done is really accelerated that. This year, in the 12 months since, e-commerce now is going to account for about 25% of all retail sales. So there was a huge jump because of COVID because people couldn't get out and shop and they were forced to to buy products online. And I think what we're going to see through the holidays, this this holiday season is is even more of a jump. I mean, it's going to be absolutely going gangbusters for these retailers and the amount of, they call it adoption, how many new users are coming and buying things online. And there's a stat that recently came out that e-commerce sales are projected to, to hit about $700 billion this year. By 2025, that number is going to go up to $1.5 trillion. And what that means, Whitney, is that $800 million delta is going to create a demand of 1 billion square feet of industrial space that's going to be needed. And it's such a huge, significant number because it doesn't matter if it's industrial, multifamily, or office. What drives investors and what we do is tenant demand. You need tenant demand. And that's what e-commerce is giving industrial real estate is just significant tenant demand that the developers really can't keep up building enough warehouse space before it gets absorbed. Can you talk about that tenant just a little bit? Maybe just how how that's changed over the last year or two and then through COVID or COVID or maybe how you see that changing over the next few years as there's such a demand. Is it more just warehouse space now or you know, was it there are other types of tenants that you're looking for? The biggest driver again is e-commerce and e-commerce users and, and again this this could be Amazon, Walmart's any retailer that has an online presence could be it could be considered an e-commerce user or occupier. They account for about 25% of the overall industrial base or industrial users. So it's still it's only about a fourth of all industrial users. And what we're seeing is it's really the rising tide lifts all boats theory that these e-commerce users are growing at such a clip, it's creating such demand that these other industrial tenants, such as uh, you know manufacturers, it could be retailers, but retailers that are distributing to stores. It could be third-party logistics companies, which are, if you're not familiar, they are basically when a company outsources their warehousing or their logistics, they are having to 
go out and find space and compete with these e-commerce companies. And what it's doing, it's raising rental rates and it's causing these, these other users to go out and lease space that these e-commerce companies are not. So, so it's, 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 they're being driven down to the class B product and the e-commerce users, a lot of them are occupying only class A product. What's the biggest risk right now? Let's, and let's say for a passive investor, you know, when investing with an operator that's, that's purchasing industrial property. The biggest risk is a lot of the, the industrial buildings. I shouldn't say a lot. I mean, it, it just depends which type of product. But what we acquire mainly, Whitney, is, is single tenant assets, leased long term to, to credit worthy tenants. And sometimes when, when the lease expires, tenants don't renew. So I, I would say that that's probably the biggest downside is if, if, if you're investing in a single tenant asset and the, the tenant does not renew and moves out. Now, having said that, we go into a deal when we acquire it, knowing that this could happen. So we, we set aside a significant amount of reserves. And then also the tenant must give us notice typically six to nine months before the lease expires, if they're going to renew or not. So that six or nine months is kind of a buffer where it allows us to go out and try, try to lease the, uh, the, the property out to, to another tenant. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 